to the Andrea K show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. TNT, and I will not fight. TNT, I'm a power load. TNT, watch me explode. <laughs> hey out there, Andrea K here. Thanks for tuning in to the Andrea K Show and everybody out there watching on Facebook Live. I'm especially pleased to have joined with me today. I don't have my usual sidekick. You didn't hear any explosions right then because I don't have my DJ Carrot Sticks. But what I do have with me is another phenomenal producer engineer here from AM 1170, DJ Noah. What up, Andrea? How you doing? That's your idea of sound effects? That's all you got, baby? Boom! <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's Noah. You might recognize that voice because when, when I used to come in and do Tuesdays with AK on Craig's Sewing Show, no, right. yeah, Noah was always the the not only board op engineer producer, but also the loud mouth sidekick who always chimed in on the show. Hey, uh, feel free, please. I, I would appreciate if everybody watching on Facebook Live would share the video, do it in all groups, especially. Thanks to everybody out there watching. Um, Great lineup of guests for you. We've got Wayne Allen Root, the Energizer Bunny. It's been a while since he's been on the show because he's just burning his energy all over the place, including his show out of Las Vegas, his radio show. And then I've got coming up a little later, the lovely, beautiful, my favorite hostess with the mostest on Fox News Channel, Melissa Francis, is going to be here. But I got to thinking on the way into the show today, I got to thinking about unity. Because after the last week's show, I tried to say the word unity like maybe Jesse Jackson Jr. might say it. Although I kind of say it in a little way, a little bit more articulate manner in which you can actually understand what I'm saying. But I was actually thinking of it in terms of like the old milk commercials, Got Milk. And I was thinking, Got Unity? Because after last week's show, what we ended up seeing later in the week, I don't even remember which exact day it was. It was so horrifying. But we saw the political assassination attempt of GOP Congress people. It was no accident. The man had names in his pockets. He clarified before he got there who he was going to shoot down. And he did everything he could to accomplish his task. The only thing that stopped him from assassinating Republicans were good people with guns. Of course, um, so much for unity within 321. It was all about gun control. We actually had that ridiculous Terry McAuliffe come out and say 93 million people a day were, were killed in the United States. There was no unity. In fact, there was so no, no unity going forward. Even the next day on the baseball field with the, with the oh, we're going to have kumbaya and everybody. I mean, it made me gack to see. Nancy Pelosi wearing an LSU shirt. Okay, not just because it's my alma mater, and I don't want to ever see Nancy Pelosi in an LSU shirt. But there was no unity. It was so false and phony. And now, fast forward, immediately after that, Republicans being... She turned right around the next day and said that Fox News was the reason why that happened. That it was conservatives and Republicans that were doing the hateful rhetoric. We Then you even fast forward a couple of days, and then we actually have people in the media and elected officials actually blaming Steve Scalise, you know, kind of like blaming the rape victim. It's absolutely been appalling. What are your thoughts on that, Noah? I hardly ever get to see you. What yeah. do you think about unity? Uh, you know what? I, I thought that really once Trump was elected, at least on the Republican side, you know how the Democrats are going to react. But I thought that you would really see people try and come together and, and, and back this guy and really just, you know, take this opportunity to move this nation forward back to where it needs to be. And if anything, since that time, since Inauguration Day, we've seen 
maybe a little bit of it here and there, but I think exactly the opposite, and it's rather sad. Well, yeah, it's not just sad from the fact that the rhetoric, one of the things the Obama administration achieved quite well in the eight years was starting from day one, it was about fostering hatred between different groups of Americans. And the identity politics game of dividing people into, you know, the minority groups and the women and the elderly, and the what did they all have in common? The fact that the liberals in, in the left in the Obama administration told them that they were victims of Republicans and then proceeded to amp up the rhetoric. Obama did it himself and so did all the elected officials. It's no wonder when you tell somebody, hey, you're a victim and you're victim, you're being victimized. You're literally being victimized by these Republicans who literally want you to have asthma. They want your kids to die from drinking bad water and on and on and on and on. And they hate you and they hate gay people. Hate, 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 hate. This was bound to happen. But then on, so we have, we had, they were successful in the eight years of fostering that kind of hate and division. But then on top of it, the the only real unity that we seem to have right now after the Obama administration is a unified effort involving the left who's continuing along those lines, as well as what you're talking about, the Republican Party and the Mm -hmm. establishment. The only unity I see happening is a unified effort from the Republicans and the left. Maybe different tactics, but the the only unity I see is a unified effort and taking down the Trump administration. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Wayne Allen Root about that and get his take on what's going on here. Um, We're going to talk to him about that. We're also going to talk to him about this Georgia race down there. Talking about unity, the Democrats were unified with $50 million to try to take that seat, that long-standing seat away from the Republicans. We'll see if they get away with it. Stay tuned. More Andrea Kasia coming up. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home. home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, Give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. Thank you for Noah picking up the slack where DJ Carrot Sticks left behind. I'm super excited to have my next guest with me. Y'all know him well. He's been on the Andrea K. Show so many times, and he always brings a unique perspective and more energy. He's got enough energy that it could light up the entire Las Vegas Strip, and I'm not just talking about during his showtime in the afternoons. Wayne Allen Root, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Andrea, how are you? Well, I'm good, except I'm I'm kind of troubled, Wayne Allen. I'm troubled because I was starting to talk to the sh- uh, at the top of the hour about unity. Uh, there ain't any unity. There ain't any unity on the part of uh, the Republicans and the Democrats after that, you know, assassination attempt. And well, except for the fact that the only unity that I see happening is the united effort to take down Trump. Yeah, well, I can't argue with that. I'm writing that commentary right now. I talk about it every day on my new national radio show, by the way. I'm all over the country on USA Radio. Yay. 
And you can find me at RootForAmerica.com or USARadio.com. And I talk every day about the fact that liberals run mentally uh, unstable, unhinged. And by the way, this really isn't different. That's the amazing thing, Andrew. There's some who would say, A, you're wrong, and, and we'll prove they're not. They are unhinged. They are mentally ill. But B, they would say, oh, it's one time. No. The reality is I went to Columbia University, class of 83, with my classmate, President Barack Obama. And during that term, who was president of the United States? Ronald Reagan. What did the students at Columbia think of Reagan? They wanted him dead, just like today. Mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, there was an assassination attempt, as, as everyone remembers. In 1981, I was in a big class theater in the round, 250 students, and someone ran into the room breathless, door burst open. It's like he smashed it open. Reagan's been shot. They've assassinated the president. That's what he said. You know what the cra uh, crowd of kids did? What? Standing ovation. Wow. Whistling and cheering and high-fiving and hugging and celebrating like it was New Year's Eve because they thought someone killed the conservative president of the United States. They were thrilled. And where are those kids today? Well, I get Columbia calls today four times a year, and it tells me where my classmates are, and all my classmates are running the American media. They're the heads and producers mm -hmm. and editors of every major publication and TV show in America today. From Good Morning America to 60 Minutes to 2020, it's my fellow Columbia students who cheered for the death of Reagan. So if you think a Republican could ever get a fair shot with the media, you're kidding yourself. And if you think this is something new, you're kidding yourself. Has it risen to levels of more viciousness than I've ever seen? Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's still about the same. Liberals believe in their sick, demented minds that we are the enemy, that we are horrible people, that we want to throw women and children to starve in the streets, that mm -hmm. we want, you know, I'm a rich guy who wants to keep all my money and give nothing to poor people. None of it is true. Uh, all we want to do is keep a little bit more of our own money, and all we want to do is what the founding fathers wanted, less government, more power to the people. Right. Uh, remember, we fought a war, and a lot of British had to die. We had to kill them. Uh, and it was all over a tax, a tea yeah. tax. That's why it's called the Tea Party. It was a tea tax. <laughs> Right. They got mad there was a 1% tax on tea. Mm -hmm. There was no income tax or sales tax in the United States of America, but they put a 1% yeah. tax on tea, and we were ready to die to create a new nation to get away from that kind of government intervention. And today, we let them willingly do so much more to us, and nobody says boo. Well, yeah. the Republican establishment goes along with it. Well yeah. well, yeah. You look at, they had their sit, they had their sit down, their sit-in last night on the floor of Congress, the Democrats did, because of Obamacare, because, you know, really, what, you know, it's interesting to think of, you know, people died over 1% tax on tea, and look at what they're trying to do with us with Obamacare. And what they did to us with Obamacare, it was nothing but a Marxist income, forced income redistribution scheme. It's failing, and what are the Republican Party doing? Propping it up, basically, with another different version of it. But that might not even possibly go through, um, because what, what I do think that what you're talking about, the Democrats and how they demonize the Republican Party, is what I see happening within the Trump administration and the Republican Party against Trump himself. He faces two opposition parties who see him as the enemy. I saw a shocking report come to me, Wayne, before I came on air, so I apologize for putting you on the spot like this, but it seems as though Trump's own National Security Council team have blocked any access to um, archives that have to do with unmasking and the leaks and yes. Susan Rice. That's being sent to the Obama administration library. Trump's own administration is allowing oh, those crimes to go not in. Meanwhile, he's being investigated for a, for a crime he didn't commit, but actual crimes, his own administration are, are allowing to be buried and covered up? Look, here's my advice. Trump has to go back to being Trump. It was uh, Corey Lewandowski who coined that phrase, let Trump be Trump. And I don't think there's a single person who voted for Trump who didn't vote for him because, like me, 
And like you, they all said, wow, here's someone who's going to go to a gunfight with a gun, not a knife. For once, we're not going to wave the French white flag and surrender. For once, the Republican Party is a guy who's going to fight viciously. He's going to bring nuclear weapons to a gunfight, and he's going to fight them the way that they fight us. In other words, that's why there were cheers in the audience at every speech I gave. I opened for Trump six times, and every single speech, the crowd screamed, lock her up, lock her up. They want him to lock Hillary up. They want him to lock John Corzine up. They want him to lock James Comey up. They want him to lock Obama up and Valerie Jarrett and all the other members of the criminal uh, crime cartel called the Democratic Party. They won investigation into the Clinton Foundation, into the Seth Rich murder, into the surveillance scandal, into the IRS scandal, into the Benghazi mm-hmm. scandal, into the Fast and Furious scandal, into the Comey on the, uh, excuse me, the Loretta Lynch on the tarmac with Bill Clinton scandal. The yeah. list is so long. Why can't we, running every lever of power, including the White House, name special prosecutors against them for all of their crimes? They're doing it to us. They're trying to impede Trump's ability to pass his agenda by distracting him with investigations. Well, we can do the same thing to them. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You know, right. let them drink the same Kool-Aid, same medicine. Right. But let were... Trump name special prosecutors for all of their crimes and scandals. Yeah, but the, the problem, is, if you're just tuning in, by the way, you recognize that voice. It's Wayne Allen, Root, Root for America. I think the problem is, and this is one of the reasons why I did a show about expectations after Trump won, because I thought that it was really unrealistic for people to expect that one man could go into Washington and drain the, all the swamp immediately and basically turn all this around. I think what we're seeing is, the re, you know, the Republican Party said back in 2010, you got to give us the House. You know, then they put up Romney in 2012 and that failed. And then they said, well, you got to give us the Senate. So then we gave them the Senate. Then they had excuses. They did nothing. And then it was, well, you got to give us the White House. And now they ha- they're out of excuses. And the reality is is right smack in the front of the the American people's faces that we are have a one-party system. You look at the people within he, he, his own own uh, administration. How did Rosenstein get get nominated and get appointed to his position? A longtime Bush crony with deep ties to Mueller. How did how did the Republican Party end up with Mueller, who was not just best friends with Comey, but a longtime Clinton uh, defender and cover upper himself, who was the very guy who scrubbed anything related to Islamic terror from the FBI investigative powers? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't understand it other than to tell you that Trump is what Trump is. He always has been, kind of like me, a one-man army, and not a lot of employees around him because, mm-hmm. of course, he, like me, believes bureaucracy is bad. And so I make all my own decisions, and I don't have an army of people around me. And Trump has never had an army of people around him. And I think he kind of won the presidency as a one-man army. It was kind of yeah. him and Corey Lewandowski, and yeah. then a few people like me were doing you know, thousands of interviews, uh, not really on the official campaign team, and there really was no there there. Yeah. Donald Trump won the election by himself. No one's ever done anything like this in the history of the world. So right. when he went to Washington, he went there by himself. That's he true. went with a little core of like, you know, 50 people, 100 people. And you've got to replace thousands of jobs. Corey Lewandowski was sitting in my home uh, having breakfast with me and my family no more than two months ago. Mm-hmm. And Corey said, look, there's 4,000 people working in the federal government that could be replaced tomorrow. And they all hate Donald. They all want to destroy Donald. They're all leaking against Donald. But to replace him, you'd have to interview five people for every one position, you know, at least yeah. to get one good employee. So that's 20,000 interviews. There's wow. no one there to do 20,000 interviews. Right. Donald's kind of a one-man army. So you're getting what you're getting, but it's going to take time. But over the next eight years, and I'm very sure he'll be reelected, over the next eight years, Donald Trump will eventually get rid of all these people and drain the swamp 
Trump, and he'll do a lot of things I'm recommending. Because believe me, I, I send him all my advice, right. and it never falls on deaf ears. It's just right. he's got a lot to do, you know? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's perspective. You know, I'm seeing all over Facebook, why is this guy Koskin in or whatever his name is, the head of IRS? Why is yeah. he still in that position? Why is this person in this position? It was like, well, you know, in the meantime, everybody's hammering him on where is this legislation that he promised? Where is this that he promised? You know, and, and it's it, he is a, a one-man guy. He's already had a lot of accomplishments. I wish that the Republican Party had been true about who they really were and what their intentions were and that maybe Obamacare repeal and replace might have been done because now we're looking at this Georgia election. I got to ask you this before I got to let you go. We're looking at this Georgia election today. Um, I, I'm kind of regretting the fact that Price gave up that long-standing Republican seat because, you know, he really has not even been a factor in the Obamacare repeal and replace. We needed that seat. We needed it to stay Republican. Had they gotten what they needed done, I think it wouldn't be already so far. I don't think the seat would be so critical. Um, how do you see it playing out? Have you been following that race? Of course you have, because you're winning. Yeah, yeah, no, no, of course I have, and then I've done it on my national radio show, Worn Out. So obviously I followed the race closely and had many guests on from that Georgia district. First of all, I'm not certain we're losing that race. It's, it's definitely nip and tuck. It's close. But I will say that as of two weeks ago, we were seven down, and as, as of the most recent polls, an exact 47-47 tie. That means it's moving in the right direction. We'll probably win on election day today. So I think we're going to win, but it, you know, remember, they spent $25 million. This right. is insane. They did it in Kansas. I can't even remember all the places they did it. All the places they did it, they were supposed to win all of them. It was going to be a mandate against Trump, and they lost all of them. Albeit they lost close. Democrats made it close, Montana and and Kansas. But all of these were supposed to be, you know, weighing in on how terrible Trump is, and we won them. And the next day, because we won them, the media forgot them and dropped it. Now they're saying the same thing about this one. When we win it tonight by, you know, half of one point, they'll drop it tomorrow because they lost again, because second place is only good in horseshoes do you any good in politics. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to win it. If they do, it's because they spent $25 million, and I would be mad at Donald Trump because I'm the biggest Trump supporter in the world, but he made a mistake. He should have been there, boots on the ground, yeah. campaigning for Karen Handel. He should have been yeah. there, not tweeting away. Yeah. He should have been there. How far is Georgia? A quick hour and a half plane flight from D.C.? Get there and be yeah. uh, on the campaign trail with her for a week or for three days. Yeah. And I think that would have been enough momentum and energy that she would have gone over the top and won. Yeah. So we'll find out tonight, but it's not life or death. The media makes everything life or death, and they make everything out to be a, you know, a mandate about Donald Trump, and it's not. It's right. one district and $25 million spent by one side, $40 million by both sides. Mm-hmm. Absolute insanity for a job that pays, what, 160000 a year? Right. Insanity. Well, and you know, the truth about this guy Ossoff is out. I mean, everybody knows that not only did he doesn't live in the district, but now we know that their vol- the campaign told the volunteers to lie, say that, oh, he only lives three blocks away instead of miles away. Now there's reports coming out about this guy and his and his documentary company involving that, you know, pays money for human smuggling. You know, I mean, if, if, if there is any common sense left in politics, uh, he will lose regardless of how much money the Democrats, um, you know, have put well, into it. Let me it. say this one last thing, okay? Right. I've been in show business my whole life. I have a big hit show on Travel Channel called Ghost Adventures. I have a big hit show on ID Channel called Sin City Justice just last Thursday Two weeks ago, now it's gotten about a million viewers. Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at TV business. Yeah. Every film documentary maker I've ever met is a commie. You know, yeah. in other words, most of Hollywood's a bunch of commies. Yeah. But the ones in the documentary business really are commies because you can't make any money with a documentary. So right. other than Michael Moore and, and Dinesh D'Souza, no one in history has ever made a dime on a documentary. So this guy's a documentary filmmaker, which means, you know, he wears an undershirt with pizza stains when he's not campaigning. <laughs> he smokes, he smokes, smokes pot all day long. His feet have Birkenstocks on him. And he's, he's quoting Karl Marx. So don't believe the suit and the nice haircut and the nice shave now because he's just a pig commie. And he's 
just that, except they put a, you know, they dressed a pig up in a suit and put lipstick on it, and they try to make it like he's a normal guy. But if you're a documentary filmmaker, what's your qualification for being a United States congressman? Zero. Right. Zero. You're just a commie who's going to go to Washington and scream for the impeachment of Trump and yell and scream like a, like a nutcase who needs a rubber room and a straitjacket. That's all John Ossoff is. Yeah, that's all he is. Uh, vote your ass off. That's the hashtag trending today. <laughs> Georgia, get out there. Vote your ass off. Can I bug you with one last question? Sure. One more minute. All right. Of course. Uh, this race, when nobody would even care about this race right now, if, if Obamacare rep- repeal and replace him had done and tax reform, according to plan, according to, uh, in the first hundred days, what the stink do you think is going to happen with Obama with the AHCA? If I had to guess, and nobody knows, believe me, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell doesn't know right now. But but my guess is it's going to pass because listen, the Republicans aren't that dunce and that stupid to not realize that they're going to get slaughtered in eighteen if they don't do what they said they're going to do, which is pass Obamacare reform, repeal, and pass a tax cut. And both will pass, but they'll both be wimpy versions of what you and I would like. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the fact. To get it to pass, it is what it is. So I like a Rand Paul's version of Obamacare repeal much better. Sure, could that stand a hell? chance, snowball and hell's chance of ever passing in the U.S. Senate? No. So right. you've got to moderate it to get it passed. I'm right. someone who believes in, in the Rand Paul style, but the reality is you can't get anything passed. You've got to go yeah. with the compromised Donald Trump style, which is let's get something passed that's better than what's there now, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what's going to happen, and I always like progress. A move in the right direction is still a move in the right direction. It may not make you thrilled. You don't mm-hmm. jump in the air and click your heels, but it's a lot better than what we got now, and I say yeah. go for it. Awesome. Well, I also say let's add build a wall in there at the same time my brother all right how can people hear wayne allen root show well, every single night, 3 to 6 p.m. West Coast time uh, on USA Radio Network, or just go to usaradio.com. We're now the Wayne Allen Root Show, or go to my website, rootforamerica.com. All right, thanks so much for being here. Woo, Thank love you. it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. we got more Andrea K. Show coming up. We're going to talk to the lovely, beautiful, amazing, brilliant, and talented, actually my favorite host on Fox News. None other than Melissa Francis. Keep the conversation rolling. Hey to everybody out there on Facebook Live. Raymond King, Scott Stevens, Stevens, my man Zan. I could see all y'all out there. It's not really giving me all the names, but thank you so much for all your your, uh, watching and comments there. Don't go anywhere, though. Melissa Francis coming up. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
to the Andrea K show. That's a little light, a little like spa-like music while we work out some little technical difficulties here in the studio. Hey, no worries. Um, in the meantime, while Noah's working on that, um, hey, last week when DJ Carrot Sticks was here, we were talking about free speech issues and we were talking about uh, how low in San Diego, a city ordinance or something going on with the city here in San Diego preventing city workers from using certain type of words. So I followed, I was going to follow up on that today and I will. And the same day when I found out the Supreme Court had come out with a phenomenal ruling that supports free speech. Um, I don't remember exactly how it came down uh, along the lines of the justices, but um, the Supreme Court ruled, I don't know if you heard about this case, Noah. I hadn't heard about the case. We all know what's going on with the uh, Washington Redskins and people saying that that's racist right. and they had to, they had to lose, lose the name. Well, I guess there was a band, a rock band, an Asian group whose name is. (laughs) (laughs) She can't go through with it. The Slants. (laughs) (laughs) So they were denied a trademark because of their name, the Slants. Okay, so then they they made it all the way to the Supreme Court because they're like, well, why can we not call ourselves whatever the snake we want to call ourselves? Okay. Yeah. They were denied a trademark. So long story short, the Supreme Court came back and said, no, you cannot deny somebody a trademark. You cannot use the trademark uh, statute to deny free speech. So they won. The slants won their case in the Supreme Court. And I think it was a victory for everybody. And some people are saying now that Washington Redskins can go back uh, to using their name. This was huge. I had never heard of this band. I think it's a dopey, ridiculous <laughs> name. Um, you know, but hey, it, free speech means free speech. It doesn't mean words that you don't like. And this is really important. And it's on the heels of hearing about, I don't know if you even heard about this, Noah, that Kevin Falconer, when he became mayor here in San Diego, okay. He pushed back. It had been part of the bias-free language guidelines for years that in San Diego, around the city, you're not allowed to use the term founding fathers. I had not heard of that, no. Yeah, they had to be referred to as the founders, okay? Because, you know, we got to keep it gender, you know, gender bias-free, right? So when Falconer came on, hat tip to him, he was like, you know, well, actually, I don't think it was his idea, but he came under some pressure from some conservative groups saying, you know, oh, you know, we're not, why are you doing this? Why are you going along with this? This is ridiculous. None of the founders were women, okay? They were the founding fathers. That's how we referred to them. So that's when people that began to learn what was in the bias-free language guidelines guidelines in the San Diego city. Now this hasn't become um, a law. It's not criminalizing speech, but we're real this, this close because we found out this week in Canada that a lot of what is in the San Diego city guidelines is now considered hate speech and it is being criminalized. For example, um, the, in the bias-free language guide, uh, you're, it, it considers them biased for mentioning ordinary words and phrases like, and this was in the Union Tribune, common man, mankind, man-made, and man up. Oh, wow. Yeah, the guidelines go on to say they're committed to the elimination of discrimination and bias in all forms. See, doesn't that sound lovely? In all forms of discrimination. The city recognizes the need to use written and spoken language and behaviors that convey respect and inclusion for all, except conservatives and Christians. Uh, we are we are aware that of the need to use language that recognizes our diversity and does not offend, demean, or exclude people on the basis of gender, race, ethnic group, religion, age, ability, disability, sexual orientation, gender identity, <gasps> expression, fa- familial or marital status, class, or political affiliate. I mean, what's left? 
Nothing. They've taken everything. Your your toenail polish color. Uh, Our goal is to encourage bias-free language, language that does not create. So here are some of the terms. These are guidelines. So far, you're not not breaking the law if you say these words. But they they tell you use LBGTQ is preferred over homosexual. Avoid using uh, phrases like sexual preference or gay lifestyle. This is the funny part. Um, Stay attuned. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to current te- terminology by which racial and ethnic groups refer to themselves. <laughs> and this is actually in the guidelines is written. Uh, refer to themselves from Negro to African American. This is in the guideline. From Oriental to Asian American. Read national newspapers and university publications. They're good indicators of preferred terminology. And ask people what terms they prefer. I mean, are you kidding me? This is what's happening. This is what we, right now, we ain't got a pothole. Andrea, what do you prefer? What, what should we call you? I, be, I prefer being called American. Thank okay, you. baby. Call me there you an go. American. And oh, by the way, I'm an American woman, okay? Because this is the, these are the same people that tell you that your sexuality is determined at birth. However you're born, it's not a preference or a choice. You, the way you're born, sex, your sexual orientation is determined at birth, but your gender isn't. And all you got to do is whack something off or get something inserted, and then you get to be another gender. I mean, this is ridiculous. Crazy. But we got to keep an Ugh. eye on this free speech stuff. It's great news today what the Supreme Court did. But, you know, um, we got to keep an eye on this because they try. it's always under the false guise of elimination of discrimination. What it is, what liberalism is always about. It's the unequal treatment of some under the false guise of equality. It's the discrimination against an identified group that deserves to be discriminated against under the guise of anti-discrimination. I think it's time for a quick break. When Let's we come it. back, we're going to talk to Melissa Francis. <laughs> Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home. A home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. Thanks to everybody watching via Facebook Live. Thank you so far to my amazing guest, Wayne Allen Root. Love his perspective. He's always so much fun to have on the show. Um, speaking of amazing guests... Uh, there's, you know, like Wayne Allen and I talked about earlier in the show about media, there's so many in the media that are just such far left propagandist haters. There are so few journalists that are left. And when I come across one, I'm just so in awe and so appreciative of the work. One is Cheryl Atkinson. She's been on the show before and she's going to be back, I think in the next two weeks now that her book, The Smear is coming out. And another of my all time favorites is Melissa Francis. I don't think she gets as much coverage or appreciation as she should on Fox News. 
Um, but she is a straight up journalist. She is absolutely brilliant. This is a woman who has uh, such a head for business and economics. And I, I really want to have her back, you know, to talk about some of the business stuff as we get closer to tax reform and things like that coming about and some more economic the budget as it's coming out in, in the next couple months. But I asked her to come on the show to talk about, I was needing such a break from the negativity and the hate that has been going on uh, on the heels of the shooting and the, you know, the nastiness, the blaming of Steve Scalise for being gunned down on a baseball field, which is absolutely atrocious. So I invited the amazing Melissa Francis to come on to talk about her extraordinary career. I'm somebody that did a little bit of acting. I mean, to come out of Hollywood like she did, a child star, to, to transition into journalism, go to Harvard and study business and journalism and come out and have the career that she did in the ups and downs. I just find her extraordinary and incredible incredibly inspirational. And so I sat down with her a couple days ago and talked to her about her new book, Lessons from the Prairie. And here's Melissa Francis. I'm so girl fanning on her right now. I'm sure you will too. Thank you so much for having me on. And you are so sweet. You made my day with that introduction, I tell you. Well, don't you think that uh, it's time for us to, to shift gears a little bit and amidst all this and talk about something positive like your book and its message? I mean, it's just total insanity out there. We have reached a fever pitch in this country. And, you know, it's just it's one of those things that it's hard to imagine that it has gotten this insane. But it is Mm -hmm. time to take a step back. And, you know, I I do that once a week when I go to church with my family. You know, I sit down in the pew with my kids and my husband. And, you know, first and foremost, I'm filled with gratitude. And I thank God for all my blessings and, you know, just Mm -hmm. my family, everything around me. And then I... I take inventory of the things that I've done during the week that, that I'm not proud of. You know, my failings, right. my shortcomings, the times I've blared the horn of the person in front of me, when I've been jealous of something someone else has gotten that I wanted. I mean, all those kind of things that you you hate to admit and you hate to feel, but you sit there for a moment and you just sort of take an inventory and then you know the slate is clean and you can right. go forward feeling cleansed, having hit reset and vow to do better and kind of remember what counts, remember mm-hmm. what's important. And it's a gift I'm trying to give my children by taking them there every week. And, and whenever I see this kind of hate out there, and when I hear the hate directed at people of faith, I always think to myself how sad I feel for, for the people that are saying and doing those things because they don't have that in their life. They don't have that mm-hmm. time and that ability to sit down and recenter yourself, reset, restart, especially for a lot of us in the media when we're so close to the hate so much of the oh. time. And sometimes you leave, you know, you leave work and you think, how can all this it's overwhelming how can all this be going on and it's only when I sit in church on Sunday that I Mm -hmm. can kind of take a breath and pull it all back together well uh yeah and I I don't know what I would do without my faith to be honest with you you know it's something that as things have gotten worse in the past few months in terms of rhetoric and the hate out there it's something that that I'm clinging to my myself and and you know and it does make you scratch your head and go well hey wait a second why is it that we're you know it seems as though you know those of us of faith are really the ones that are so much under the gun right now when we're just trying so hard you know to to, to do our best every day and you know um, but I do want to talk about your book 
because I think in addition to being a Christian, in addition to, you know, uh, repentance and trying to do the best that we can do and own up to our own shortcomings, I also love, love, love reading books like yours that talk about life lessons, things that we've learned along the way, things that we can apply every day to, to our life. And I think you've had one of the most interesting careers of anybody that I've ever seen. I know uh, people in the acting community out of Hollywood done a little bit myself. I was never as successful as you. In some ways, I'm grateful because it, it, that's an industry that can eat you up as well. And, you know, coming from being a child star and then transitioning into being a star on one of the, on the most successful cable news network is really extraordinary. And tell us about the book and how it shows you making that transition and the lessons that you did learn along the way and how people, what people can take away from that when they read the book. Well, thank you for that question, because that is so much what the book is about, that there was a lot of distance between the two lives that people know me from. You know, some people still recognize me as the little girl from Little House on the Prairie. I did more than 100 commercials and so many movies and so many TV shows, but that is really the thing I was known best for. When I left Hollywood, you know, I sort of became a teenager. I wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do anymore. I had been doing it since I was six months old. I did a Johnson & Johnson baby shampoo commercial. I'd never had a time when I hadn't done that. And, um, you know, I, I, I took a huge risk. I struck out in, on my own. I went to college all the way across the country. I studied economics at Harvard, but, you know, I, I decided I wanted to be a journalist. And, you know, you have to do a lot of scraping to get into this industry. I did unpaid internships. And to pay for those sort of things, I would work in the kitchen, chopping vegetables and cutting potatoes, you know, whatever I could do. I ran the teleprompter in my first job. When I finally got on the air, I got fired from my first on-air job ever. Ouch. The woman told me I was horrible. It was her first day as news director. She, Within the first 10 minutes of her first day of work, she called me in and fired me. She told me I had 30 minutes to get out of the station. I was, you know, 22 years old in Manchester, New Hampshire, where I didn't know a single person. And I was really devastated. I mean, I had changed my whole entire life to change wow. my whole career. I was still so young and I didn't know anyone. And, and not that, I mean, I was obviously had so many blessings, but, but it was, you know, it was devastating. It was hard to recreate myself again after mm-hmm. all that. And I came up with a formula for turning disaster into golden opportunity. And it wasn't easily learned or made. I mean, it starts with wallowing in a giant vat of self-pity. I went back to my apartment and I just sobbed endlessly until you get a little bored and dehydrated from sobbing. And it's all out of your system. And then you got to figure out what to do next. I made a new plan for getting a better job than I had before. I call that giving the middle finger to failure. When you say, I'm going to do even better than what it was, that I, what I lost. And you never believe that when it first happens. I mean, it sounds so hollow and it sounds so fake, but it gives you something to really strive for. And then you identify the first step in that path, not the whole thing, just mm-hmm. the first step, because the whole path is too overwhelming and it changes right. anyway. So you do the first step, then the second step, then the third step, well, pretty soon you're on your way, mm-hmm. maybe steps at a time. And when you get to the end, you look back and decide what part was your fault and what you would do differently. But even more than that, you know, you've scraped yourself up off the ground with your own power from disaster. Mm-hmm. And you know that the next time life knocks you to your knees mm-hmm. and you feel like you want to just give up and lay by the side of the road and let the next wagon that comes along run over you. Instead, you know that you've remade mm-hmm. yourself before and you can do it again. And that is the gift of 
failure. But I really have a formula. I tell you about all the times in my life when this has happened, and I do it with humor because I know the best, best way for us to learn is with humor, and I love self-deprecating humor. I think that when you show people your cellulite, as I call it, as I call it, <laughs> it, it oh, no, girl, I don't want to show anybody my cellulite. No, you got to do it. Once you let that stuff out, you can never get it back in. But you got to do it because people, I tell you, like when we all own up to our faults, it's such a relief. It's yeah. such a relief when you admit you're not perfect and you show other people and they're relieved and all of a sudden you're all laughing and you're all friends. I mean, that's another great lesson I've learned in my life. Show people your cellulite. It's scary. But then once you've done it, oh, it's such a relief. And then mm-hmm. they feel comfortable too. And it's just, I don't know. Anyway, these are these are some of my ideas. I hope you like them. People have been sending the book here to me at Fox News headquarters in New York, 1211 Avenue in America. I'm only saying this to people on the radio. And the mailman here at Fox thinks I'm in same. They're like, we have a ton of books. What are you doing? And I'm saying, if you send it here with an envelope inside, I will sign it and send it back oh. to you. I, 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 I'm so excited to do this for anyone who's interested. People are sending it to me as a present for their mom, their sister. It's been so much fun. It's so rewarding to me to have to hear from people who are buying the book and who like the book. I wrote it for especially for people on talk radio because you guys are the intellectual ones. You wow. guys are the ones that are listening with your ears and your minds. Well, you know, I'm, I, that's an amazing offer, and uh, you know, you're going to end up buried if you can con- yes, continue to do that. So. But, but this is—I just think it's such an extraordinary book, and I love those life lessons. And I think it's—I uh, think you call those your four steps to survive and thrive that you laid out there, especially right now when we have so many kids coming out of universities where they're being told they're not supposed to ever experience any kind of difficulty or any uh, kind of challenge. And you know what? That's how—that's how your your bones are made when you have to go through challenges, and so. To me, if we can get this book in the hands of as many young people and even people that are older that need to start their life all over again and or just felt like they never achieved, you know, what they were meant to achieve in life. I just feel like this is so, you know, just it's an amazing life lessons. Got to pick your brain, though. If you're just tuning in, by the way, I'm talking to none other than Melissa Francis. Um, people got it. People are going to be wanting to know if you're revealing anything about the one, one of the true legends out of Hollywood, Michael Landon. What oh, was, yeah. What was he like? Absolutely. I mean, he was like God and Santa Claus rolled into one. He just had such tremendous magnetism. I mean, if you can imagine, he knew what he was like on screen, even more so in person. Mm. And and one of the things, I'll give you just a little taste. I mean, one of the things that's so amazing about him, he was an incredible business person. He realized that to make a mitt in Hollywood, you had to own the show, write it, correct, direct it, create it, produce it. He was such a hard worker. He was the first one there in the morning, the last one to leave at the end of the day. He led by example. And he taught us that work ethic, that idea of taking so much pride in what you're doing, showing up every day to play and win. I mean, he expected us to show up, lines learned, rested, faces washed. Even as kids, we were earning adult paychecks, and we weren't divas, we weren't stars. Mm -hmm. He treated everybody the same, kids, actors, stars, and the people behind the camera. He knew that everybody, it took everybody there in order to make that terrific Mm -hmm. product. And we had so much pride in what we were doing doing. We knew people loved it. I mean, I worked on hundreds and hundreds of sets growing up. This one was truly unique. And I realized today that so much of who I am and so many of the values that I have now and what has made me successful and happy and what has made me, you know, helped me to have a loving family, my three beautiful children, my husband that I love so much. So much of that came from the lessons I learned on that show, both behind the scenes 
reading the books, in the scripts, it was really different. It was really unique and really special. And I see that with so much experience behind me. You know, this is Mm -hmm. the thing that stuck out to me. And this is why I wrote that book. And I wanted to put it together like a survival guide, nine lessons, 10 chapters, things that it's it's bite-sized. You can read it in any order. But Mm -hmm. I really wrote it also for my kids, you know, so that I had, you know, a daughter who's almost two, my boys were seven and 10, and I wanted them to have this handbook, you know, Mm -hmm. the survival guide of the most important things I've learned in life. And so I also wanted to share it with the audience too. Anything that you can, you want to share that's, that's, you feel like might be of interest about Fox News and how that might be, you know, that, yeah, there is a a lot behind the scenes and I will give you one taste and then I've got to run and do my next show. But the, the quick taste is this, that Everybody talked about, and I was just reading online, somebody was saying Fox News over at CNN, they were saying it's state-run television, how we're just out towing the line for President Trump, and nothing could be further from the truth. The only time, and I talk about this in the book, that I was ever censored and told what to say and what not to say was when I worked for CNBC, and I was questioning the math behind Obamacare, how we could serve this many more people, and nobody had to pay for pre-existing conditions, and we were going to have people that got health care entirely for free, but somehow... Everybody was going to pay less. Somehow our rates were going to go down. And I Mm -hmm. said, I studied economics at Harvard, but I think you only need first grade math to know that that doesn't make sense. That that can't be. I was called into the principal's office, as I'll Mm -hmm. call it there, and told I was disrespecting the office of the president. Those were the exact words. And I went, how is that the case when all I'm saying is this math doesn't add up? They talk about censorship. It exists elsewhere. At Fox, they say, you take take the risk. I mean, you're saying things that are coming out of your mind, your math, Mm -hmm. but we stand behind you. It's a terrific place to work. We've had our challenges, and I talk about that, too, everything that's been going on around here. But I would say those problems, and when we talk about the problems of sexual harassment, I tell a story about when I was first in the business and something that happened to me at a local station when a boss came to my house in the middle of the night and tried to force his way in when I was very young and new in the business. Our our industry is, is fraught with bad behavior. It's everywhere. We do need to acknowledge it and stand up and do something about it, but it's not a Fox problem. It's an industry problem. And, you know, we, we need to deal with that. But all of that kind of stuff is in the book. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff here at Fox. There's some pictures that have nobody has ever seen in the middle of the book that were little photos snapped by my grandmother on the oh. set behind the scenes. There's a oh. tremendous story behind them. They came to me. If you have to read the story, they were literally a gift from God. They showed up on my desk out of nowhere. Wow. It's, it's a tremendous story where these pictures came from. You've got to get the book and see them. If that's not a tease, I don't know what is, but i got to run to my next show. Where can people get the book? Melissa Francis. Melissa Francis. Amazon. Lessons from the Prairie. Lessons from the Prairie. You can get it on Amazon. I narrated the audio myself. If you get the audio version, I will make you laugh, and then I cry a little bit, too, so you'll have to forgive me when you hear the tears in the audio version, Uh but it's all right there for you. Thank you for having me on. Can I come back? Yes, absolutely. Would love to have you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon. I just love her so much. I mean, you know, I've interviewed a lot of amazing people on the show. It's a blessing to be able to do this, and she has got to be if not my favorite in the top three. I don't know what it is about her. I think it is the fact that she is such a, her, her lessons from her, her life, first of all, is extraordinary. Mother's Connie Francis. This is not her first book. She wrote one about being the daughter of a stage mom that's a, a must read. Somebody was telling me the other day they read that, but she's just so smart and so hardworking and just got a heart of gold and a straight up journalist. And I just, I couldn't have more admiration for somebody 
And particularly, you know, I mean, she could have such an attitude because I got to tell you, I've met some ladies in this business, got some bad attitudes out there. They're overly competitive. They kind of nasty. No, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've, have you encountered a few of those in a business? Uh, several. Yeah. Several. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So to, to she seems very real and very, very genuine, very sweet. Right. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that this woman was kind of the daughter of royalty. Connie Francis is her mom, you know, child star, got to go to Harvard, you know, no privilege with her, no bad attitude. But I got to tell you, it feels like there's more privilege like that going on on the left. That is kind of the, the what the left's issue is. It's all about entitlement. Give me, give me, give me. You know, uh, speaking of entitlement, as I get move on towards my hero of the week and my stink of the week segments, um, in in um, vying for stink of the week award, vying for stink of the week award is an old HuffPo tweet that they put out when Otto Warmbier, if I say his name right, when he was arrested, they put out a tweet saying, uh, congratulating North Korea on, I guess, saying something like white privilege is not universal after all kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know... Boy, that tweet didn't age well. First of all, it was in bad taste, even do it at the time. But just to, you know, to have that drawn, brought to four on the day that he died just really shows how despicable the left is. Not that it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, they didn't put that tweet out yesterday. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, so this whole thing, you know, is it should be a surprise to anybody what happened on the baseball field when we've had that kind of rhetoric going on to where a 22 year old guy gets arrested by Inoco and they're shaming him and blaming him and making it political uh, do are they not aware of how incredibly brutal and horrific that regime is do, are they not aware or are they just they just in love with commie countries well i tell you what speaking of uh, shame of the week it's like then you have pelosi come up and pretty much blame republicans for getting themselves shot and i was like you just need to just go away yeah yeah, she I can't needs stand to go, her. Yeah, she needs to go away permanently, but she's just one of many who have done that. I tell you who my uh, hero of the week is, speaking of media, uh, it is a lefty, and his name is Alan Dershowitz. Everybody knows who Dershowitz is. If mm-hmm. you don't, you mm-hmm. really haven't been paying attention to media. He is the greatest voice on behalf of President Trump right now of anybody out there in regards to the absolute witch hunt that this is going on with the special counsel. And the fact that his here he is, he's a liberal, supports absolutely nothing in President Trump's agenda. And he is out there all day, every day on media saying this is wrong, that we are criminalizing people for just having a different political view. We must not let this stand in this country. And he's a liberal. Good Meanwhile, what? Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Because let me tell you, you know, somebody, uh, Dagny, I think it was Dagny. No, it was Christine. A Facebook friend of mine sent me an article that was written by uh, Kelly Nelson, Capitol Hill Outsider. There are many people right now, including Dershowitz, who are calling this out for being a witch hunt, who understand that that's what Mueller was all about. That's why he was appointed, that his the real collusion is not with Trump and Russia. The real collusion is with Comey right now, Mueller and Rosenstein and a takedown. Well, they're the front people for it, for the takedown of uh, President Trump. This article surprised me. I knew that Mueller was the guy who had scrubbed the uh, FBI investigations of terror 
I didn't know the ties to that. I didn't know that he had done outreach at the mosque that was involved with a Boston terrorist. I didn't know uh, that he was the guy that failed in the anthrax investigation. I did not know that it was Mueller himself and Comey who actually did the deep state takedown of Scooter Libby. Now, you remember what happened was Valerie Plame, right? She was outed, supposedly, even though she was a desk jockey by the CIA. And there was this big investigation as to who actually was behind it. Come to find out, they knew from day one who was behind it. They knew it was Richard Armitage who had leaked it. In spite of that, they kept it quiet, hid the reality, hid the truth, and they intentionally did a dragnet to try to see who they actually went after Dick Cheney's office. In the course of that, they managed to catch Scooter, Scooter Libby in a misstatement, and he ended up doing doing time. That is the blueprint for what is happening here. And in addition, that's why we talked about last week with Sidney Powell when she talked about this guy that Mueller brought in, Wiseman who had actually done this in the past with Arthur Anderson. He hid information, exculpatory evidence from the defense for six months, took down an an employer that had 85,000 employees. His conviction was false and fraudulent, should have never happened, and it was overturned 9-0 to by the Supreme Court. Didn't restore that company, didn't restore those jobs. And that is exactly the play that is happening here. Hat tip to Dershowitz. The stink of the week is none other than John McCain, who took the $9 million he had left over from his 2008 presidential campaign and set up a a foundation that's eerily similar to the Clinton Global Initiative, so much so to where there's actually people in Congress starting to stir rumblings and saying that it's a little too crossing a boundary into corruption and that he should be investigated. He actually has, as one of the investors in this or one of the donators to this, the very front group that lobbies for Iran and has been worked with the Obama administration in the Iran nuke deal. So while Mr. McCain hides behind his shield of military service, acting like he's Mr. Hawk, he's taken money from basically the Mullah's front group on top of other organizations like Teneo that was involved with the Clintons and the, the Russian nuclear uranium deal. John McCain, you a stinky man. But you know what? The rest of you all smell fresh. You smell fresh, Noah. Thank you for being here. Thanks to everybody for watching. Please share the video. It didn't cost you nothing, as my man Zan would say. Thanks for being here. Thanks to my guests, Wayne Allen Rude and Melissa Francis. Love you all. Have a great day. My fellow Americans, before I leave, I have two words to say. Do not listen to the Andrea K. Show. Obama out. Wait a second. That wasn't two words. That was eight words. Don't listen to him. Listen to The Andrea K Show, Monday and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. right here on AIM 1170, The Answer. I am so in love with me. San Diego, have you been to any Padres games this year? You might have noticed my name on the outfield scoreboard as a realtor for our team. Hi, I'm Melissa Tucci, the exclusive realtor for the San Diego Padres, and I don't just help the ball players. I've helped thousands of San Diegans just like you buy and sell homes. I love this business, I love helping people, and I love to have a conversation with you to explore your real estate goals. Whether you're buying or selling, visit me online at melissatucci.com and shoot me a quick message.
message. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-T-U-C-C-I.com. Or just call me, 619-787-6852. That's 787-6852. Or again, just visit me at melissatucci.com. Let's start the conversation today. I look forward to the opportunity to get to know you better. And feel free to call, text, or email me. Thank you so much. 